0: and welcome to Cinema Spectator. My name is Isaac Ransom. I am one of the co-hosts of the show and I am joined with, honestly, recurring guest and I, I'm just going to call you a co-host, Juzo Greenwood. Juzo, how are you? I'm very good, Isaac. Thanks for having me
1: back and uh, always eager to talk. There's a lot of movies coming out lately and stuff to talk about, but we won't get into every one. But.
0: Yeah, no. So you've been on the last,
1: what, three shows? Is that right? Uh, I guess so. Was I in the the barbarian and the uh, decision to leave? I guess those are the last two, right?
0: Um, yeah, yeah. So, so and then yeah, this one. So. so yeah, it's my return uh, after I just got married, I had a wedding, honeymoon, all that stuff. So it's good to be back, finally back home after some chaos. Um, you know, and Juzo, you were at the wedding. I hope you had a good time. I had a
1: great time. It was wonderful. It was it was, it was lovely to to meet everyone, and um, yeah, it seemed like everything. You know, it's funny. There's something about like weddings it's the same way like movies, they set uh, like a, a wrong expectation about like say romance or whatever. It sets something too idealistic. I feel like weddings, it's almost the opposite because in movies, weddings always go wrong. So it's like, I have this thing in my head, like there's something terrible going to be happen at every wedding I go to. And this is like, yeah, people give a speech and it's nice and <laughs> it just works out fine. So
0: I will so, I mean, I've been to a lot of wedding. I've probably been over to, I've been to over 10 weddings in my life. I've been oh, wow. to a lot of different weddings. Um, I'm very happy with the way things went at ours just because it didn't seem like most of the issues that you don't see, uh, or th- they didn't appear to guess. Cause I mean, there was an issue no, that was me. pretty hilarious. Like, um, well there, there was a few things that were kind of out there, but probably the, the big standout is that the limo driver that had the bridesmaids and myself, um, we were coming from a first look cause we did some photos before everything, um, he was driving the wrong direction towards Tahoe for like half an hour, and no one corrected him. And <laughs> oh then we were like, wait, we're going to be late to our own wedding. You know, it's just like terrible, you know? <laughs> oh, jeez. So, you know, uh, we had to like tell the limo driver to turn around. It was like this whole thing. Everything worked out. It was fine. So don't worry, Juzo. There's dysfunction behind the scene. Just wait. If you're ever involved in a in a wedding, yes, the chaos is there. Uh, Did, don't you worry about that.
1: You're pretty close to on time, though. I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't feel like there was any uh, anyone had any knowledge that you were late, so I guess it worked out okay.
0: Yes. No. No. Everything came together great, and we had a blast. So um, that was fun. And thank you for subbing in for me on these last few shows. Cameron had an anniversary thing going on, so I said, "You know what, Juzu and I got it." Juzo, we're glad that you're on the show. You're definitely an excellent expert and a great friend to have on here. So we appreciate your time oh, and you nice. joining us. Uh, the movie that we're talking about today is The Triangle of Sadness. I know Cameron usually gives some intro on films. This is a new release. It's kind of an artsy film. I knew it was artsy because <laughs> Tim Smith told me that I had to go see it with him. I didn't want to, and he took me anyways. Um, and it's directed by a name I'm going to butcher. Uh, director's name is Ruben uh, Olsland, I think. Yeah, I think you got it. Um, and it's got a pretty cool cast. Uh, Woody Harrelson is in the movie. Um, an actress named Dolly D. Uh, Leon, I think. Leon, maybe. Um, she's really good in it. Uh, Harris Dickis- Dickerson. Dick- Dickinson. This is why Cameron does this thing. <laughs> Dickinson. Uh, he, uh, is, he seems like the lead of the movie for a long time. And his uh, girlfriend, uh, Charlie B. Dean Kierak. I'm just going to, whatever. We're just going to close that off. So we are going to be talking about this movie. Um, It is a newer release. We don't usually stick to uh, new releases, but both Juzo and I had seen it. It was very convenient to talk about this film. I have kind of a thesis that I want to dive into, but Juzo, first, I want to know, uh, what have you been watching?
1: Oh, geez. Well, a lot of stuff. And, you know, this movie, it was a great... I, I'm glad you picked this movie because we both had seen it before the wedding. So I didn't have to add mm-hmm. an additional thing. I think since the month started, I've seen, um, we're doing a rough count, maybe 14 movies, 15 oh movies God. already. Oh Cause it's gosh. just, it's a time of the year where they're just pumping out stuff constantly. Yeah. And uh, big, you know, stuff that's trying to go for Oscars. And it's, it's, it's just a chaotic time if, if you're following movies and, um, I'll, I'll just for, for some highlights of stuff I really enjoyed recently. There's a film called Armageddon Time, which is sort of an autobiographical film about the director James Gray's childhood, which I think is just a wonderful movie. Very straightforward, kind of classical. Um, it's not a flashy movie, but I think is a really sort of beautiful and haunting movie about his childhood. And then Cameron and I saw this film called uh, The Banshees of Inesheron, which is um, an Irish film from uh, Martin McDonough, who made uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, among other films. Um And kind of in that vein is a movie that is incredibly funny, very, very bleak, uh, sort of tragic, sort of touching. It's a a fascinating combination of a lot of emotions. And I think it's uh, also one of the best films of the year. I'd say those two and Nope are my three favorites um, as of right now. And um, yeah, I mean, I've been seeing a lot of stuff. Just today, my family and I went to go see this documentary about you know of marconi right i mean the film composer uh good the bad the ugly you know uh, Right, the mission right. Um, Yes. this is a, there's a documentary that a trailer came out for this like 6 years ago and me and my mom have been waiting to see it so for literally you know 6 6 years and so i got um uh basically uh, not blindfolded my mom and like did it as a surprise movie for her sort of almost as an early Christmas present. And that was just a nice thing we did today. And um, also with my grandma, whose birthday it was today. So yeah, it was really nice to finally see that movie and it's this epic, like two and a half hour documentary about this incredible career of, of Morcone, who scored about 500 movies over about 60 years. Uh, so really an incredible uh, sort of tribute to that, to that great artist. Um, but yeah, what have, what have you
0: been uh, watching Isaac? I mean, you've been probably much more busy doing other things, but I will say surprisingly, I've watched a ton of movies uh, oh, really? because Jules and I went to England for a honeymoon and that flight is 10 hours there and 11 oh, hours right. back. Yeah. So I had some time to watch some movies, which was, uh, I'll, I'll get into some of those, but I did want to say, uh, Cameron forced many of my bachelors on my bachelor party night to watch barbarian i don't Ah. know if he told you about this yeah he
1: did yeah i went
0: i went to bed at 2 a.m what compelled them to start a movie then i'm not entirely sure oh wow (laughs) i i don't want to say that you know some people were a little amped up um you know i think Mm -hmm. i think it was cameron cameron brought um cigars he had a lot of cigars and so i think everybody was buzzed off of like nicotine because nobody smokes not even camera doesn't even smoke he had like a uh, cigar subscription that like he didn't use so he showed up with like f- no joke like 50 cigars and everyone's like what do we do with this you know and camera's like come on he starts smoking like winston churchill uh, and so everybody's experiencing secondhand smoke. So he 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 forced everybody <laughs> to watch Barbarian, which I know there's an episode I've not seen it yet. Um, so I just I just want to throw that out there. Got to see um, it, dude. It's great. But the first movie I want to talk about that I watched with you was, uh, or not with you, but I was thinking of you when I saw it was <laughs> Minions: Rise of Gru. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I did watch that. Um, I I I just want to say really quick about Minions: Rise of Gru. Uh, kind of critically bombed. I enjoyed it on the flight. I was like, "This is great," you know. I just I thought it was just very fun, and the animation out of that studio is it looks so good. Is the movie meaningless? Absolutely, um, but it's you know it's a dumb, fun kids movie. So I, I I don't I didn't really see any sins with the with the film at all. So I was kind of confused why critics hated it.
1: Well, I have um, not seen it, so I cannot comment. But
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> the movie I was thinking of uh, that I watched was Ambulance. Uh, oh, okay. uh, the Michael Bay film. And I and I was thinking about, I, I, I saw it on the list of movies that I could watch on the airplane. I was like, I got to watch this because this is the only Michael Bay film that Juzo's seen and I need to be able to relate with him and talk to him about it. Um, I I thought that the film was absolutely stupid. Um, yes. And sure, like it was entertaining, but it totally overstayed its welcome. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was just kind of, you know, some of the dialogue is hilariously bad in the film but the action it's still you know that top tier Michael Bay stuff I do think that he has a kind of like choreography movement with the way that things uh, are paced in terms of the action like I think a lot of the sequences um like it's like his attempt at a Mad Max Fury Road, which I uh, I thought of halfway through. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's fully successful because there's not really emotional ties. It it sort of uses, um, like very, like kind of cheap is probably the best way I can get it. like cheap emotional cues or something. Yeah,
1: and you get you get also sort of numb to the speed of it. Like f- something, the thing that actually distinguishes Fury Road is he knows how to slow it down. In it, he takes it like it's almost like music, you know. And w- when you just have the same speed, the thing about ambulance is for I thought for about forty five minutes it was absolutely fantastic, and I was just saying this is this is like one of the best films of the year. Are people crazy, but yeah. then you start just it, it starts to just become like white noise almost, and um, right, it's a little it gets a little dull.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I I I'm very curious to watch. Transformers one with you because that to me, like the difference between these movies is fairly substantial. I, I guess maybe some people would disagree, but I thought ambulance would have uh better pacing, but but because it starts so fast, by the end, I, I think I agree with you. It just it, it feels very boring. It's mm-hmm. like how much more uh exciting could it be when the opening is so frenetic and right into the action? Yeah. Um, Transformers, like I don't want to go on and on 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 a, on a <laughs> podcast where we have very educated uh, people, you know, thinking about movies and stuff on here. Um, but I think Transformers has better pacing, and the end uh-huh. combat of Transformers one, I've always loved it. <laughs> I've always thought really it was great. Huh. Okay. Well, I the setup is like there's like six, uh, six on six like robots, you know, and you kind of get familiar with them. Uh, Mm -hmm. but maybe I was at the age where I was like, I knew every single one, so that's why I was into it, but yeah, um, I mean, I I could see uh, the ambulance
1: definitely should have been like a hundred minutes. I don't know how long transformers is, but Um, I'm I'm interested to watch it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Ambulance is two hours and 30 minutes or something. It's
1: at least two fifteen or 20 and it's, it's, yeah, yeah.
0: it's very, very long. Um, yeah, what else did I watch? Incredible I wa- drone stuff, though, I have to say. The drone photography, very cool. I liked a lot of it. There were definitely a, pic- a couple shots that I was like in- extremely impressed by, um, but I thought it was kind of overused at some points. Oh, uh, <laughs> sure. But
1: Like everything yeah. else in the movie. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, the other movie I watched that is kind of relevant to this sh- this show is The Norseman. Um, I watched it on the plane. Oh, yeah, Viking thing? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, uh, the yeah. Viking movie. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what this director did before, but there was some reason that he was, um, the witch, uh, which the I witch. was talking to
1: JD about actually a lot. The witch yes. is sort of
0: a horror, almost kind
1: of a, it's like a Bergman esque semi, almost like a, a religious movie in some ways. Um, and then he did the, the lighthouse with, uh, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, which is also quite good.
0: I didn't, I didn't like the Norseman. I know that's probably huh. maybe a little controversial. I thought it was super boring mm-hmm. uh in in a lot of ways and I think I think I can see how the horror elements of the movie um shine through in a in a in a positive way. But the film is trying to be this like really awesome like Nordic kind of like it reminds me of of it actually rem- reminded me of video games and it reminded me of hmm. uh the Beowulf movie that was animated that I had to watch in high school Oh, wow. uh, I thought that was so like I don't know I just I thought it was <laughs> that's a tough review for Robert Eggers <laughs> the Beowulf yeah. movie yeah um, I I I don't know I just found it to be kind of S- like the plot side of it was fairly simplistic, the Nordic mythology, like I guess, like the realism of like these Vikings and stuff. Like I didn't find it overly compelling. Maybe if that's like your thing, you'll you'll be into it. But I just, I don't know. It, it didn't it didn't resonate with me super well. I mean, so. I mean,
1: I, I will say it's probably not the not a great movie on to watch like on a your on an airplane. You know, like that's the sort of movie where I think if if you're not seeing it in a theater, it kind of feels sort of pointless because I remember the experience of it being really impressed by it. I can't say I really enjoyed it though. I remember seeing Cameron liked it a lot. And I I would say it was a good movie, but it's not um it is a little bit boring. And it is a little bit, I think, kind of pretentious, a little bit high-minded and it's and kind of stretched out a little bit. There are some mm. amazing sequences in the movie. There's a whole scene where they sort of like desecrate a village you know in the opening it's kind of like a one or maybe faux one take that's absolutely incredible there's a scene at the end with nicole kidman where she has this monologue which is fantastic um but i it's it's one that as time has passed since i've seen it i haven't really thought that much about or thought that fondly of um so in a way in a way it almost it's a little bit in the same category as ambulance where i'm like you know i respect the craft of it but i think it's a little bit um it's a little bit uh, overstays its welcome maybe
0: yeah yeah i could totally see how like maybe the craftsmanship side was what people loved and i do agree that first uh village raid is like it's it's very engaging um yeah i i thought i would like it more i think that maybe it was an expectation thing mm-hmm. but um yeah i i was i i can't remember if i watched any other movies i feel like i watched too many cuz that flight was so long I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh um but those are the ones that stood out to me. Uh, this is, again, Cinema Spectator. You can support us at patreon.com slash ecfsproductions. Throw a couple dollars our way and check out the benefits there. I just want to say, we did change up the tiers a little bit on Patreon. Um, we've kind of moved to a system that's based more on donation. You guys helping us um, keep the show going. We at one time did offer bonus content each month. I think... Cameron and I are at a life phase where we just don't have the bandwidth to do it because we both work full time and whatnot, Um, so we can't promise it anymore. So we've kind of reworked the tiers into some donation. Of course, if you support us, you have the opportunity to have your questions read on the show if you DM us, and then there's the producer tiers as well. Um, But again, like we just support or we we want to thank you guys for supporting us for all this time. I don't want to say that bonus content is gone. I don't want to say that. Um, we're really like scaling down. I think in this season, the podcast vision is to sustain the consistency and the quality of the show. And so, uh, if you were looking forward to that bonus content, the first thing is that Cameron and I have not been able to provide it anyways. So we want to stop saying that it's something we can promise. Um, now I don't want to, I don't want to throw anything out there, but, uh, you know, Tim, is interested in making some content. he told me that so really there might be an opportunity for some some more Tim Smith on the Patreon in the future Oh you might we might have uh, some sh- some shows and bandwidth coming up eventually. I don't want to rule out anything uh, but we did want to just say that uh, we don't we don't want our Patreons to be paying for the bonus content it's more just to support the show and listening helps the show grow sharing the show with people, giving us a rating on iTunes. All of that stuff helps our small production go each week, and uh honestly, like it it's I don't want this to sound like super cocky, but Cameron and I have have been proud of the fact that we've been able to do it each week. It's always a little bit of a stretch. I was just gonna uh, say
1: I, it's kind of unbelievable the amount
0: <laughs> of work
1: and stuff you guys have been doing and and uh, going through to still keep it up every week so. Much respect for that. Cause I mean, I tried to do a podcast every week, you know, for, for a period, and I was just like, eh, you know, and I'm not even, you know, <laughs> even close to as busy as you guys. So, uh,
0: yeah, no. Respect. And I like, I was, I think the other thing is Cameron and I talked about it. And we we're like, we feel guilty for saying bonus content if we're not able to deliver it. I think there's like an integrity side where we're like, you know, and I, and I don't mean to linger on this, but we were like, "Come on, like if we saying we're doing it, we're going to do it." So we should be clear with it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, we, Cameron and I do have vision for this podcast to grow more. I want to say also that you know I feel like very blessed for my job right now, and I'm learning a ton there that could be applied to this thing if we ever take it on full time. But mm-hmm. I don't think Cameron and I are at a stage yet. Uh, in life to do that i was kind of laughing as i was writing out the update i was like you know maybe someday Cameron and i will both be fired and we'll just be forced to take it on full-time and uh that would be quite exciting i feel yeah. pretty optimistic about that if we were ever given the opportunity or if that's where life pushed us but for now we're just focused on creating a great show for you every week i know this is boring just one more like side note thing Juzo let us know that we, a bunch of our episodes went missing recently. We're on it. Yeah. We're trying to fix it. We want you guys to know we're aware of the problem. Um, so hopefully that will be updated soon. Uh, and we'll we'll have some news on that coming up. But Juzo, it's time to talk about Triangle of Sadness. I hope that wasn't too much logistics or boring updates. It's stuff. all good. It's
1: a, lot, a lot of change has been going on. I think it's it's warranted. So
0: yeah. Yeah. Um Speaking of, also speaking of change, um, I've never had pets, and <laughs> I was telling you about this Jules before we started the show. Um, we we Jules and I, um, she has two cats. They have been very scared. They were just moved here, but for some reason now, no. Joey is out and about. I'm I'm just like, what is going on with this dude? So he's he's looking around. I hope he's not trying to terrorize his sister. I don't know what's going on. Don't freak me out, Joey. Um. <laughs> yes, Triangle of Sadness. So Tim forced me to watch this movie. Um, at a theater, very art. Right? Yes, in the theaters. Very interesting experience because you know it is kind of a dark comedy and there are are <laughs> some crowd shocking moments in this film. Uh-huh. Um, and I-, I think that added to the experience a lot for us. Um, yeah, I think the reason I wanted to talk about this film is I wanted to try to unpack it in my simpleton mind, in my you know non-expert opinion, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd love to hear kind of your take on it, Juzo. I'm sure you've read up on some of the takes. I don't know if you know really, no, you I,
1: haven't. I'm like super off film Twitter, I have to say. I, and it's been honestly a really positive thing, uh, I think, to my, <laughs> to my sanity. Because there was just a period of my life where I was reading too many takes, too many opinions, stupid lot mostly stupidity and it's actually nice to just not know any of it so i don't know if there's a controversy about this movie i don't know if there's backlash i don't know if it's beloved no idea Uh, all i have is my own opinion and you know i saw it with a friend of mine and we talked about it a lot afterwards but that's what i got also this movie let's see how many movies ago was this that i saw it like 20 movies ago Oh, it's wow. been a while Damn. so hopefully my memory is still good but I do had it I did have a pretty solid opinion of the movie it wasn't a movie that I was um
0: it didn't confuse me in any way it felt pretty
1: you know straightforward
0: yeah yeah I mean it's interesting because Tim was telling me that like there was so many there's so much research to do and uh, on the opinions and the meaning of the movie he was like I actually don't think you guys have time to unpack it in 90 minutes and I was like oh I don't know. I just kind of have one thing to say about it because uh, <laughs> th- there's like one idea that I want to hone in with it. Uh-huh. Um, and so I guess we'll just start by unpacking that and then we can get into things that we liked about the movie um, mm-hmm. and kind of breaking apart, I guess, overall thoughts. Why did I want to talk about Triangle of Sadness? I think because upon reflection, uh, which a lot of this podcast has forced me to learn to reflect on movies, mm-hmm. I felt like this, was one of the closest examples of like a short story in English class that I've experienced in a film. And the the sitting feeling that I had when this movie ended was a, a very empty, like okay feeling, right? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. I was kind of like, I'm not entirely sure What to take away from this movie? I think there are some great points that you can begin to dissect, but it was almost like when the credits rolled, I was waiting for an English teacher to stand up and say, okay, let's break down this film. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's called The Triangle of Sadness. There's three parts. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about the meaning of each of the three parts. Let's dive into the um, economic class conversation that's in here. Let's talk about the relational uh, dating aspect that's here. Let's talk about dark comedy and, uh, you know, kind of role reversals, uh, when it comes to class and things like that sure. and how this movie yeah. tackles those different ideas. So it felt very like prodded on a conversation. Mm-hmm. And as I was thinking about that, like m- the main point that I want to start with this, with this, with this podcast is like, okay, if this is an English class short story kind of experience, like, is it just that because the creatives wanted to say something like that? Or is there an element where the people who made this movie wanted to spark conversation or over analysis or, you know, some kind of like cult following around the movie? Right. Well, well uh, can, can, you, can you elaborate
1: a little on the, the idea when, you, when you're saying English class uh, or short English class short story? like what exactly you mean by that? Cause I'm not, you know, I don't know if our, our, well, what, what, what do you, what's the analogy you're making with that, that comparison?
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the, the story or the, I guess, yeah, I'm just going to use the word story. The story that I was thinking about was, um, in the heart of the sea, uh, which was a book we had to read in English in college uh, so it was my general education mm-hmm. and the book follows, um, it's supposed to be like a, a true story version of Moby Dick. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of these few phases of the book where there's like the ship and the journey, kind of the shipwreck crew, and then this deep kind of conversation around, the crew members eating each other on the boat and surviving like hmm. at the end. Right. Um, cause one of the biggest things about in the heart of the sea is that there's like three survivors on this raft, or at least this is my <laughs> remembering. I might be wrong about this. Mm. And some of the moral conversation or there's four, sorry, there's four survivors on this raft. The moral conversation starts when one of them, they, they're, they're all talking. It's like, well, one of us will die. And should we eat that person that dies, you know? Uh And so they're all talking about that. And then someone does die and they do eat someone, right? Uh And then there's three of them left and they're like, well, we're going to die. Like someone should do something, you know, like someone, like, like who's going to give themselves up basically, because we're not all going to make it out of this, you Uh know? Okay. Uh, And... It's not very comical, right? Like, that's the thing. This movie definitely has a uh, comedic element, right? Yes, yes. Um, But there's something about the way the book is designed from ambition and excitement around a pre-journey, kind of the tragedy of, of Moby Dick and how that is symbolic around what the characters are going through, then to the post, you know, they're on a raft. What does that mean for life? Like, right, I felt like in English class we're analyzing every chapter Mm -hmm. of this book we don't know where it's going the book ends with you know these guys eating each other and then they're back to normal life and they're kind of stuck with this trauma but they're not able to say it and they're like wow i always think about that that person that i ate on the boat now i'm supposed (laughs) to be normal you Uh know uh Uh, and so every single moment of this of this like book is is focused on like analysis Mm -hmm. yet when the when the page is closed And I kind of stood back from the story. I was like, I don't really enjoy... I didn't really enjoy sitting through that, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. I felt like it was there to just make me think and Uh kind of ponder upon some of its thoughts. And that's kind of how I felt about Triangle of Sadness where I was like, this movie, although there are like some comedic laugh moments, I felt like every scene was built up to be... A chapter discussed in an English class, right? Yeah. And I don't know how I feel about it because I don't necessarily dislike it. I just also felt kind of like I did in English class, which is Mm -hmm. I could talk about symbolic things in this movie. I could bullcrap my way through analysis of this film and... I'm, there's a part of me that's like, it's throwing so much up in the air. It feels like it's not kind of... It, I think the thing is with me is that the movie didn't pull the sniper scope into like a conclusion. I think it was just so scattered around a bunch of things that it could kind of be analyzed... In, in so many directions that to me it almost felt like kind of unfulfilling when the credits rolled. Um, huh, okay. And so, I, is my analogy still following? Gizel, no, I no, know I,
1: I understand what you're saying. I think what, what from what I'm understanding, it's like the, it, both of these are sort of uh, kind of very simple stories that feel like they exist just to um, be analyzed or to be examined for metaphor rather than for... I don't know, the normal reasons you generally read stories, which is, I mean, uh, uh, more so than entertainment or just kind of um, um, in, in being engaged with it as a story. You're more engaged with it as um, as metaphor, I guess. Is that kind of what you're talking about?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, and it's not even that I'm against stories like this. I didn't, I didn't find it... By the end, I got up and I was like, okay, you know, like there was there were some funny things in that movie there's obviously some things to unpack in terms of a conversation around class yeah but i almost found myself being like i'm just not going to go down that road because i i'm not entirely sure what it was i i kind of felt like i was like i wish that the movie made me want to think about it mm-hmm. you know no, but I, I didn't i understand I, that. Yeah, like I, I felt like I was like, I just kind of didn't want to when the credits rolled. Uh-huh. And I know that uh-huh. I know that that's like maybe a um, like a simple response. But no, 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 I think
1: no. I, I, I think actually it, understand it a lot.
0: I think it came from a place of of actually really enjoying the beginning moments yeah um, hmm. And so I think we should get into breaking down the chapters well, but I do want to hear first Juzo what you thought of the film overall like kind of your sitting thought we can dive into bits of the chapters or or we can I mean how about this no no we'll hear uh, what you uh, thought. Well, can I just
1: I just want to respond to like the thing what you're talking about this whole idea you're talking about right now yeah. which is just the the fact that I think I I agree with almost everything you're saying I think honestly the only thing I disagree with maybe a little bit is that there's a vagueness to the ideas I actually think for me, the ideas of the movie were very straightforward and very kind of to me, almost simplistic and, and not very interesting if I'm being honest. And it felt like it had a pretty, it it, it didn't feel like, I mean, it it, it did feel, I agree. it, It completely felt like something you would analyze in an English class, but not a very good, um, for me, not a very interesting subject to analyze because the answer is right there. It seems pretty simple what the movie is saying. Um, but I but I understand your your reaction to it, because and I kind of feel the same way that because the movie feels so kind of calculated in this way and so kind of constructed. To almost just just in service of like, here are, are my ideas about class, here are my ideas about wealth out rather than it has seems to be more interested in that than in, you know, interesting, complex characters and depth and filmmaking that might make something uh, more interesting, you know, particularly to you, but I mean to me as well. And um, I, I had it. my, to me, my feeling about it was just that I just was not to me as satire. It was not really that interesting. Um, and for a while in the movie, I was like, this is kind of not very good. Like I wasn't really enjoying it uh, that much. I wasn't bad, but to me, the weird thing that started to happen was I started to just be entertained by it. And I thought this guy is not a very, he's not a clever satirist. He's not, um, he's not like Bong Joon-ho making parasite or something, or certainly not, you know, uh, Patty Chayefsky writing network. He's not, he's, this is not some profound ideas he's, you know, uh, pulling out of the earth, but his, ability to craft scenes that are amusing and funny i mean the whole sequence on the boat that we'll get into i think is really like brilliantly done and to me it was very funny and the whole third chapter of the movie i thought as Mm. drama was compelling so it was was sort of in a way i would uh, this is weird to say but i would compare it honest my enjoyment of the movie more to the way i enjoy something like ambulance rather than Mm. the way i would enjoy something like um Oh gee, I'm trying to think of like what's what's an intellectual sort of movie I've watched, like Tar or something like that, where you're watching and going, "Oh wow, I really want to get into the analysis." To me, it's like the analysis is not that interesting. What's interesting is you know he's 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 pretty good at crafting comedy, and he's pretty, um, you know, there's good performances, and it's just sort of to me it was just sort of it was like light entertainment. It was just sort of fun, but I don't you know uh, I think people are to me to me it seems kind of overrated in terms of um, its
0: profundity of what it's saying about
1: you know rich people or whatever i just i don't know
0: yeah 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 i i agree with a lot of what you're saying i think the satire that outperforms a movie like this for me would be a film like the death of stalin where oh, sure. yeah. there's like i think incredible performances in that film and what that movie does excellently in its absurdity is it sniper scopes at the end. And it really does say something fairly brutal. I, th- mm-hmm. I think the ending of that movie um, moved me in a deep way that had me thinking about the, the film way more than I should have if it was just kind of a funny, dark satire, right? Sure.
1: And I think another thing about Death of Stalin is it also is not, it's it's a that movie is a, has a lot more um, going on and it's in a lot more going on in it than just, oh, look at how stupid these people are or like get a load of this. I don't I'm not saying all of Triangle Sadness is that, but I would say about mm, 70 to 80 percent of that movie is just going, ah look at these dumb people. And to me, it's like that can be entertaining. That can be fun. But, uh, you know, something like Death of Stalin or, or uh, Doctor Strange is another example of a movie like this. There's just a lot there's a lot uh, more complexity to the the things they're portraying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, That was kind of like the main point that I wanted to bring up about this film is that, and it's interesting what you said, like towards the end of this movie, you're just taking it at face entertainment. When I got up from this film, I was like, I'm going to just take that as face entertainment. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm not going to fall into that. Like, you know, English class, trap with this film because i don't think it deserves it um Mm. now i mean i i I do like when i was saying the ideas were all over the place i kind of want to jump back to that because you said like you disagreed you thought the ideas were um very like simplistic in in terms of what they're saying or if there's any wisdom to be shared in them Mm -hmm. um i think like I do, I agree with what you're saying and that's what made me feel like they were all over. They were so obvious that I was like, you could really take them in any any direction. I know that the point is like, oh, rich people, bad, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Or
1: or, or like, you know, yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I I just feel like a, a thing like that can just be talked about for way longer than it needs to be talked about instead of it actually saying something like kind of, Controversial, you know, like or kind of anything like meaningful. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know if the film was diving into anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually thought the most controversial satire in the film was about um, relationships and dating. I thought, mm-hmm. that, I thought that was the mm-hmm. deepest side of the movie. Yeah, um,
1: actually, that's. I I think I might agree with that. Yeah,
0: and uh, that's why I found actually the opening one of the the opening scenes with Pang. Um, for the dinner to be like one of uh, t- to me like a standout in in the movie's runtime, I think that interaction and the idea of like gender roles and um kind of the complexity that simplifying them, like like that, it was just such an uncomfortable, awkward interaction between um you know the couple trying to decide who was going to pay for dinner, mm-hmm. um. That I, I feel like there was to me I was like oh I want more of that and then instead I got rich people bad, um mm-hmm. so
1: <laughs> yeah it also there's a kind of a it, there's a divergence from you thinking it's going to be about these two people who are these the characters for anyone who hasn't seen it are two models basically supermodels who are on this yacht uh, together and um yeah it it sort of shifts its focus from them to an ensemble. And then in the third chapter, kind of to another character who almost isn't in the first two chapters. Um, so it's... Yeah, it's weird. The first part of the movie... It, and it, I feel this way about a lot of the satire in the movie. It's like, it's correct. He he's not, he's not off base in these observations he's making about rich people or about the fashion industry or about the shallowness of these people who are on Instagram or models. Like, these are all observations and certainly that scene at the um where there uh he gets in this argument with his girlfriend because she expects him to pay because he's the man whatever you know that's a believable it's a believable scene it's a well-acted scene um but i just to me when i was watching it i was like i get it and then that argument it like goes on for like longer and longer it's like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i i understand like you can move on now mm. like it just felt like it a lot of this movie felt kind of labored and it definitely did not feel like a movie that justified being two and a half hours. Um, and you know, I'm a person who's like happy to watch a three hour movie, you know, if, you know, there's, there's reason for it, but a lot of these, a lot of stuff in this movie just kind of feels like stretched out. And, and, um, I don't know his last, I saw his last movie and it was a little like that too, but I, I thought this was felt more excessive, um, for whatever reason.
0: Um, yeah, I would say the yacht scene definitely drawn out at, at sure. moments like it was like, you know, like the third after the third time, the joke's not funny. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like this movie had like eighth, ninth times, <laughs> which is some, so the thing about that is sometimes it stops being funny and then it starts
1: being funny because you keep doing it, you know, over and over. Will Ferrell does this, I think, in some of his comedies where he goes so over the top. It's like comes back around to being funny
0: yeah Um, but like how but it's also like the joke is like poo poo fart vomit like (laughs) you know like Uh that's like the that's the joke that they do the ninth time yeah and i'm like am i a preschooler maybe it Uh feels like it's like dumbing you down when you're watching a scene like that and then you're like oh my gosh, maybe I'm not supposed to think about this movie at all. I'm just supposed to be stupid and watch it. You know? well, if we're, we're going to get into that scene, I don't
1: know if, if this is like spoilers. It's in the trailer that there's a whole scene where everyone's like seasick and like having diarrhea and whatever <laughs> and vomiting. <laughs> um, that scene in the movie was, to me, was very funny. And it, and I to me, that really encapsulated what I thought about the whole movie, which is there's a part in that scene where uh, Woody Harrelson is, is quoting he's he's a marxist he's quoting like marxist philosophy to this capitalist russian businessman who's quoting like ronald reagan and margaret thatcher and it's like as satire this is like not very interesting and is again just like very like yeah we get it but what was funny is the is seeing woody harrelson and this other actor who's also very funny um drunkenly yelling at each other at a dinner table and like aren't they like playing cards at one point and they're yes yes. they're bellowing into the pa system like to me that's just hilarious because woody harrelson is really funny this other guy is really funny um and so it's like what the movie is saying you know i i'm not you know okay, okay yeah you're it's again it's you're you're diagnosing this thing correctly um but you know, it's just fun to watch. And the whole sequence where everyone's falling over or whatever, I mean, this is all kind of like, it's almost like silent film comedy where everyone's like oh, rolling yeah. in their, you know. I mean, there wasn't like <laughs> diarrhea in Buster Keaton movies, but you know what I mean? where people are like rolling over and like going down hallways and, and kind of impressive just like filmmaking in terms of, it looks like it's filmed on one of these like, Tilting sets they used in Inception or something. Oh yeah, I just I thought it was fun, you know. I thought it was cool, but yeah. And I and by the way, I'm not a big like gross out. I don't really like seeing vomit or whatever in movies. But I don't know. It was was pretty amusing to me.
0: Yeah, the the audience was just literally like. Yeah, l- yeah loudly yeah. reacting yeah, to that too. scene because oh gosh you know and then it, and then people are laughing because the whole crowd is like disturbed that there's like projectile vomiting people in this movie you know yeah i i think i actually thought the construction of a marx a russian capitalist and uh, the sailor marxist arguing on the pa while everyone's vomiting and pooping and rolling mm-hmm. around in their their feces and stuff uh-huh. like i was like well you know I kind of like how there's like this, this, uh, like side by side of two like extreme political opinions fighting over a a PA as drunks while everybody else is rolling in the, in the poop and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And and
1: again, it's kind of a, like, okay. Like he's sort of doing a metaphor for like, yeah, this is the world. Everyone's arguing as the ship is going down. Like, yeah. It's sort of, it's, it's, there's a cleverness to it, but it's also like, again, it's like, we get it. Okay. Um, Right. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't, to me, it's like, I don't need a movie to be intelligent. It's like, again, this is why I compare it to ambulance. Cause it's like, I don't need a movie to be super intelligent or well thought out for me to find it enjoyable. I, I think it's enough for a movie just to be fun. And, and
0: um, yeah, the, the, to me, that's what this was. It's just funny to me because this, this movie, I mean, Tim Smith took me to see it. Right. So I, I kind of expected like that death of Stalin level. But now you're comparing it to Michael Bay movies. And I think that's kind of like where the, like, no, no, I'm serious. That's where like it's it's kind of conflicting, right? Yeah. When you see this film because you're like, wow, like they're really telling me to be stupid, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, on, on the other side, there are little moments of like cleverness and then they overstay their welcome and you're done with it. I, I think the, to me, the funniest joke in the movie is the hand grenade um because i just thought i yeah. thought that was like that was a great reveal or something to tim he, the funniest joke for him was the the scene with the donkey like he could just tim, not stop bringing that t- up tim has a dark sense of humor man. i know <laughs> i know that was just like what is happening yeah um but yeah the uh I, I i guess it won't spoil the jokes but when when they're delivered it's like oh you know there's an ounce, there's some cl- there was some cleverness there. I don't think the donkey was clever at all. That was just brute violence for no point. I it, didn't understand just, what was going on there. It's just kind of
1: just like a surreal moment. I mean, that's the other thing I would say that I liked about the this filmmaker is he just is he's good at crafting kind of strange moments and like weird scenes where you you're, it's something unexpected is going to happen or something um sort of odd or you know there there's, there's something that's compelling about that. Um, you know, I'm not going to Put him on the level of like you know my you know, like david lynch or someone who does stuff like that but you know he, he he's fairly good at doing that sort of thing and it is interesting how the movie is has this really sort of rapturous acclaim and that people are saying it'll be nominated for best picture even um which
0: i mean <laughs> this is but this is what i'm getting at right like the more we talk about this movie on the show the more we overanalyze it the better in our minds it becomes. And this is what I didn't want with this movie, right? Like, no, I'm serious. Well, I don't believe, I don't uh-huh. believe it. Because, like, you can sit here and, like, you can start getting really into it, right? Well, it's called the Triangle of Sadness. Why is it called that? Well, you know, yeah. there's the opening oh, moment where he chapters. has, yeah, he has, like, yeah, oh, oh, you have a Triangle of Sadness, like, between your eyes, right? There's, like, the the fashion people are making fun of the way he looks. Yeah. then this. oh, well, this movie has three parts. Oh, mm-hmm. this movie has a love triangle. Oh, you know, like there's there's all these interesting elements Triangle said as well, what a brilliant title, you know mm-hmm. and but that's okay. I, to me, it's like I, I don't I don't feel like the movie is getting away with something because we're you know ha- uh, analyzing it in a conversation i I don't uh I, don't I just feel like man, it's this this movie is like the podcast material, you know. That's kind of like I maybe I'm going way too meta into it. But like I had that feeling of like, I know the English teacher wants me to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, I don't really care. I don't really want to talk about it. And it's almost like echoed with my podcast career where it's like, I feel like I need to talk about this movie. Yeah. I, I don't mean- really want to talk about it. And already there's a lot to talk about with it, you know? And I just, I'm just like, ew. You, you 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 know, like that's kind of like just the feeling I have with it, and maybe that's that's reading into it way more, but then it's like if this movie's gonna be nominated, then oh, uh, there's gonna be even more people talking about it, and I'm just like, I don't know if a movie with people vomiting all over the ship and stuff like they like just enjoy the goofiness. I don't think you need to read into this film so much well um, I, I mean I think he certainly yeah he certainly does want you to
1: read into it and I think that's what people are I think there's also just, uh, I, uh, this is almost kind of like a side tangent but just like a weird uh, almost ironic aspect of the response to this movie because like the Cannes Film Festival the biggest most prestigious festival uh, in the whole world uh, gives this a you know the palm d'Or, everyone goes crazy for it and it's like the types of people who go to the Cannes Film Festival are the types of people who are on the cruise ship in this movie. So it's like, there's kind of a f- odd lack of self-awareness to like, oh, they're making fun of someone else, but not me. But it's like, yeah, they are making fun of you.
0: Um But in terms of the movies, <laughs> what? <laughs> they gave it the reward because they're like, that's not us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I don't know. That's I mean, it's us. also, you know,
1: I forget, the, you know, the the... Palm was given by the a jury of other filmmakers i can't remember who was on the jury this year so you know look they may have just enjoyed it more than you know armageddon time which i think is a far more interesting better movie in every way but that movie is quiet and subtle and leaves you with a feeling that like the world is like a horrible awful place and this this movie is cynical but it's 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 cheerful and upbeat in the way it tells its story and it's fun to see in an audience. And when the movie ends, you don't all sit there going, ah, oh, you go like, Oh wow. That was, you know, that was, you know, a kick in the pants, you know? So, you know, but I don't mind that I don't, to me, I don't equate movies that have a depth of ideas or a depth of analysis, um, with their overall quality because, You know, a movie—the kind of the biggest acclaimed movie this year, or one of the biggest—is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which I'm not sure. Have you seen this?
0: I started watching it on the flight, and then within ten minutes, I was like, I can't pay attention, so (laughs) I stopped watching it. I understand,
1: but the the point I was making about that is that it's that movie. Honestly, I think raises much more profound ideas than Triangle of Sadness, and and in a lot of ways is is. you know, very touching in, in some of its stuff with its characters or whatever, but in a similar way, like I, I, I find it to be um, also sort of simplistic and also kind of uh, um, a very tiresome movie to watch. Like, I think, I think it's a movie a lot of people respond to because of what the, the things they're reading into it. Um, and, you know, maybe for them, they find it entertaining and they find it delightful and hilarious and, um, and any you know Triangle Sanders and everything everywhere I find to be funny movies, but I not I don't find them as raucously i f- I found a lot of both movies. I was kind of sitting quietly in an audience of people guffawing at everything. And um, you know, you compare that to something like Top Gun Maverick, which is not a profound movie in any way. But like to me, personally, I think that has far more value and is, is uh, much more something I'm interested to watch. I, I'm much more interested in seeing some um, something that's brilliantly crafted than something that's kind of, I don't know, like shoddy and kind of messy and un, um, undisciplined in the way those movies are, um, even if they have a lot of big ideas to sort of back them up. I mean, look, the ideal thing is something like Nope, where... Nope is great because you can watch it and you could talk for three hours about what that movie means, but you could also watch it as like uh, a Jaws remake, you know, like you could just watch right. it as a fun horror movie. And you know, I think a lot of my favorite movies kind of sit in that zone to different, you know, different degrees.
0: But yeah, you know. yeah, I think this movie for me wasn't in that zone, and I was confused whether to put it in the this is goofy Michael Bay material or this is analysis zone, and mm-hmm. I would rather lean to you know, the goofy enjoyment side and just leave it as it is, right? Mm-hmm. I guess I just sat on my own sword with this episode because here I am talking about it. So <laughs> it, <just> <laughs> makes, <laughs> it makes me a hypocrite with it. But that, that was the genuine review I wanted to say with it was that I was like, I felt kind of the way I just stated, right? It's like, I kind of want to just take it at face value uh, and I feel frustrated that people not frustrated just like kind of like ugh with this movie's like analysis stuff you know i mean it's it's okay it's okay that people
1: i think i think you have a strange thing sometimes where you you get like annoyed that other people read so much you're like i just want to like can we just like watch the movie and not like have all this which i understand especially for you know you go through english class and you deal with all these people who are kind of like spitting all sorts of bs about movies or or literature or whatever and um but you know there there are movies much much worse way worse than triangle sadness or worse than everything everywhere that are you know people read into i mean some people make a movie that's horrendous you know some i don't want to name filmmakers but they're filmmakers who make stuff that's absolute garbage that's unwatchable but because of its uniqueness or whatever it's sort of um Whatever they're sort of mining creatively, people all go oh this is so interesting oh what is he saying when he you know shows you know himself taking a crap on the toilet for forty <laughs> minutes in a one take or what
0: oh not, dude that I'm was that up, I c- I couldn't take Ghost Story dude like, I couldn't get through it I was like I, I love hate Ghost this Story. I was like I hate this I just it was like I just I can't I don't know what it was well
1: I'll tell you this about Ghost Story Ghost Story. I watched probably 30 minutes of the movie. I watched, well, I watched like 15 minutes of it. I was like, hey, this is pretty good. I watched about 40, I'm 40 minutes into the movie. I'm like, oh, come on. Like, really? Like, this is, this is unwatchable. I know how far you got into it. And yeah. then I remember something happened. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And then by the end of the movie, I was like, this is one of the best films I've seen all year. So sometimes the investment, there's a return on that investment. Um, but I'd say a lot of the time, um, I don't know. I did, when I always talk about analysis like you could you could read analysis, you could read depth into any movie. Even I'm I was sort of discounting Top Gun Maverick, but even Top Gun Maverick, if you were so inclined, you could write a college essay, you know, 50 pages about uh, what is the meaning of of uh Rooster and Maverick's relationship or whatever, uh spin whatever BS you want. Um Okay. All right.
0: Re- minions rise or grew. Here we go.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Here we, here no, you really could. I think, <laughs> you know, it just it, any movie is Is apt for that. And I think really the flaw of, of triangle sadness is not the, um, not the fact that it has those ideas beneath it or that people want to excavate them. I think the flaw is just that it's a, it's a movie of a lot of sort of cardboard characters and kind of pretty simplistic ideas, ideas that may be correct, but it's not, um, I don't know. To me, they, they just, a lot of the people, the characters in the movie feel kind of two dimensional, um, though having said that I will I will say and maybe if this is where I want to kind of drop the spoiler like we're going to talk about spoilers a little bit because yeah, for the third chapter um, I thought the third chapter is kind of where it gets a little bit more interesting in terms of character and I think the character that Dolly De Le- De Leon plays who is the um whatever i don't know her title is on the ship she's like the administer of toilets Janet, or whatever. Yeah, yeah she's yeah, like a janitor, janitor yeah. but because she's like a person of actual like skill and life experience she has basically takes control of everyone on the island and says like i i know what i'm doing i'm gonna it's because of me that you guys are gonna survive
0: right so, right so basically the, the, yeah yeah because the third part of the film is two parts one is like the models dating in their relationship Mm-hmm. Part two is like they go on a cruise together and now we meet a bunch of rich people, but then mm-hmm. the cruise ship goes down and then it starts part three where they're all stranded on an island together. Uh, and then yes, like the yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, takes I, control, right? <laughs> I neglected
1: to mention, yes, the boat, the boat sinks. Almost everyone dies. But yeah, yeah, the survivors are sort of um marooned on an island. And I thought that was where the film uh, again, this is where it went from being like a "eh, this is not good." To this is a little. There's more on this filmmaker's mind than I maybe gave him credit for. And I think that character, which initially seems very again like kind of a a stock character, like okay, yeah, duh, the person who is you know on the lowest level of uh, social strata will rise to the highest. It's like yeah, I, you know, anyone could write this idea. But I thought be- because of her performance and where he takes. um I don't know just this sort of complexity with which she starts maneuvering her power on the Island was I think where the movie dramatically was the most interesting. And, um, I liked the way there were sort of, you know, uh, the way the characters changed with their environment and the way that, you know, like the, all these, all the men sort of, it's like the men and the women kind of separate and the men sort of start just kind of like, I don't know, like becoming bros almost. And, um, I it also it reminded me of one of my favorite things ever which is survivor the reality tv show survivor yeah. and i just was delighted by that that kind of survivor vibe of the whole thing and everyone it's always fun to me is like the people marooned and they start making alliances and people are at odds with each other like that's always just kind of um exciting and and the way she sort of sexually takes advantage of of the this male model um is, I mean, you don't want to, <laughs> it feels cruel to say it's funny, you know, cause it's, you know, sort of, it's sort of sleazy, but, um, but it is, it, it, there is a dark uh, comic side of that whole aspect of the movie and his estrangement from his girlfriend, the model's girlfriend. Um,
0: yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I, I found the, the final part to be all right. I wasn't as like captivated by the setting as much as the previous two. Mm-hmm. I guess that, the Stranded on the Island, I was like, oh. <laughs> I don't know. I just I wasn't as drawn into it. Yeah. Um, but I think the one part of analysis that I found to be extremely deep in the part of the movie that I've been considering the most um, was the ending song and the conclusion of the film. And hmm. I've actually thought of this in the middle of this show – think that's why i'm extra bitter because now i'm sitting here and a- a- analyzing a movie i didn't Even want more, to but yeah. i found something good in it now this might be a little meta i don't think this is necessarily the intention of the director but i recognized the song as soon as it started playing it's by an artist called fred again it's called uh madria but in parentheses we've lost dancing it's a mariah Carey or mariah carey quote i think that's what it is let me just double check i have okay. it pulled up here Okay. No, is I'm the- sorry, Madonna. It's Madonna, Madonna. Mariah Carey. Okay. Okay. Yeah, the blessed Madonna is the co- is is who the artist is listed under the song. the uh-huh. The house track is dope, by the way. Very uh-huh. very great song. I'd heard it before, but Fred again's project started with the COVID stuff. Um, his 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 whole marketing around the artist project is like him like with his mouth open on the train. Um, it's like he started making music because he had free time on his hands during COVID. Okay. Right? The song specifically with Madonna, the quote, is about COVID, right? Mm. Uh, The whole thing is we've lost dancing, we've lost time together. Like, it's like her voice, this interview that she's, he like sampled it, and she's like, we've lost hugs, and da-da-da, and we've lost dancing, and then it just goes, like with it, right? Uh-huh. Um, If you think about this movie as a reflection on COVID, there's a very interesting kind of breakdown that you can pull from it. You were talking about how we're all going down on the ship together, right? Uh, As being the second part. And the ending statement being kind of a door back to normality. Mm -hmm. And what, I guess, maybe kind of a heavy political statement like the people who have taken power during this time, like maybe they don't want it to go back to normal, right? Uh, so I, yeah. I don't know. I, I, Just thinking about it, because I love that house track, right? And I love def- like, like the subject material. To me, Fred again's project is cemented in the COVID time as like someone who was creative putting together this thing. Let me just mm-hmm. double check. I'm pretty sure that that song, yeah, 2021 is mm-hmm. when it came out. Also, 156 million streams. Like, what a song. This dude has, oh, wow. like, 10 million monthly listeners, right? And his his marketing is hilarious. It's, like, garbage picture. Not garbage, but, like, it's just in the write-up, it says, like, Fred describes his music as actual life, quote, quote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, talking about, like, half-remembered nights out, iPhone footage, like, that's, like, his whole thing. With the project. Yeah. So to kind of have that reflection bl- blasting at the end, right? To me, that song has always been like a COVID staple song, right? Uh-huh. Um, and obviously, the quote is directly talking about it. And then to kind of like leave that sort of question open, I don't know. Like, again, I think it's the same thing with the satire where you're like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. that's, a, well, that's a thing, The The Madonna
1: quote, if I'm not... I I could be remembering this completely wrong because I am not a follower of Madonna, but I feel like, didn't that come from some post she made on Instagram where she's talking about COVID and she's like, this makes us all equal and like we're all experiencing the same thing. Like She had this thing that was kind of an expression of everyone sort of like, we're all going to come together. Kind of a little bit like the Gal Gadot um, Imagine video kind of quality.
0: Right, right, right.
1: To, to me, this director, actually, this is maybe one of the more subtle things in the movie because I, I mean, I didn't pick up on this. But if, if, if you're, if, if he uses, if he's using that quote of Madonna's in the climactic moments of the movie, um, that definitely feels like kind of an ironic usage, you know, uh, sort of commenting on, um, you know, it, it, this, this, this movie's is sort of showing that it's like all these people who are at all these different levels of class, you would think that a disaster like the sink of the ship would be like the way Madonna talks about COVID where it's, everyone's going to be equal. But of course that never is going to happen. And it's always, there is always going to be some kind of, um, uh, different stratification between people. And, um, I don't know, maybe he's pulling out that song kind of to highlight that idea, that, uh, through Madonna's or, kind of idiotic statements but yeah
0: uh. yeah yeah or even like the way that people still had to go work go to work during COVID while a lot of like white collar people got to work from home right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i was one of the people that had to go into work no matter what mm-hmm. <laughs> during that mm-hmm. time so um it is like there i guess there's kind of some pent up rage in it um i still think that picking up on those kind of covid reflection things Um doesn't make the movie, you know, like profound in any in any regard. I just thought the use of the song, on surface level, is dope. I think most people that watched the movie were like, "Wow, this is an awesome track to end the movie with." And I was also like, not only is this an awesome track, I think it adds a lot more to the ending of the film, um, and kind of asserting a different like perspective or a different area to uh reflect on Mm um what what i don't i don't know if it goes that much deeper you know (laughs) like that's Mm -hmm. kind of where i'm like you know i don't i don't know i think overall i feel like i know i've been hard on this movie yeah i walked out of the the film you know i had a good time with tim just hanging out and we saw this film and i was like well that was something you know i was Mm -hmm. like can't wait to tell juliana that i watched a movie about people throwing up on the ship she hates throw up she hates oh. the she hates the word vomit. She probably hates me for saying it this oh, whole yeah. time. Avoid. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But uh yeah, like I still think the movie is like all right. I just also I don't know, like the thing that kind of irks me is that I feel like the normal casual film viewer will watch this and be like, you what it, like that was weird and okay oh
1: yeah yeah if we're talking about the like do we recommend it to the casual do we recommend it to grandma it's like you know i would recommend it if you have a dark sense of humor or you're interested in something a little you know a little it's not even that it, it the movie has a trapping of being an artsy movie or an art house movie but again like where I invoke this michael bay comparison cuz I kind of think it's not really that much yeah. of a I think it's actually very accessible kind of gut level like you just watch it and are sort of amused by it it's not yeah it's it's pretty accessible but yeah I don't want if you if you have a thing about throwing up uh, don't watch this movie it's <laughs> going to be very upsetting i mean yeah. i found it a little it's it, those parts are tough for me to watch it was only the fact that i find woody harrelson so delightful that oh, i yeah. was able to roll with it but you know.
0: know, three out of 10, not enough Woody Harrelson. So. Yeah. Oh sad. yeah. That was but, another
1: honest, like legitimate complaint is he wasn't in the last third of the movie. Cause I was like, Oh, he was like the best part.
0: He would have been so um, great on that Island. You had, so you had to, you missed him as soon as he was gone. So
1: yeah, I think, um, Oh, one, just one other question about the ending, just a quick thing. Um, and we're in full spoilers here. Did you like that they didn't show, uh, 'Cause they don't show her hitting her over the head with a rock, right? Is she walking up when it ends? It's been a while since I saw this, but
0: uh she's just sitting on the beach. Yeah, she's walking up uh the um the I guess toilet war uh not warlord, the, <laughs> the toilet the jan- tyrant the former janitor who's now yeah in, yeah in charge. She um she the the ending of the movie is like she's obviously, you know, taking advantage of her power and sleeping with um the male model but the male model's girlfriend was is like obviously upset about that but she also doesn't have any power and then um the big reveal at the end of the movie is that uh like the girlfriend um the young female models like hey i'm gonna go hike the island and the um the janitor lady who has full control is like oh i'll I'll go with you and if they find out there's like a resort on the island Mm -hmm. um right there like they could have just hiked but for some reason you know the janitor lady liked the power she liked where she was at she liked having them kind of yeah she would go back to just being
1: cleaning toilets so she's like but then it's like this moment where um the model i wish i had people's names but where she says are you um She says, I'll have you come work for me. Or she has some sort of offer to her, sort of like this olive branch of like, um, I don't know, offering her maybe a somewhat better life. I don't know. Um, It's
0: weird. It's weird because like it's insulting, but it's also like she's a dumb model and she's kind of being nice. That's true. That's also true. You know? So I did think that the interaction was cool. I thought the ending of the dude running through the trees was kind of like goofy. Like I was like, wait, why is he.
1: Yeah, I, I'm a little mixed about the whole. Like, I'm I, I'm okay with an ambiguous ending. Like, oh, did she or didn't she? You know, that's that can be fun. And you know, I just was to me when the movie ended. I was like, okay, that's that's an okay ending. I I wasn't um, if if it overjoyed were enjoyed with it
0: the way maybe other ambiguous endings have been. If it were me, I would have cut to the elevator door, which I think is a great visual. I think the elevator mm-hmm. door was awesome. And uh, I would have just did a little like pan zoom on that and end it. I don't know why mm-hmm. the guy was running at the end. I didn't understand that.
1: Is he running also? Is, and that's when the music is coming in, right? As she's walking towards her with the rock and the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The music's like blasting. I yeah, was. that was cool. The, I agree with you. The music coming in is cool. And uh, actually, the thing you you uh, you honed in on also about the um her saying something that's both uh, it's it's comes from a place of compassion, but it's also condescending. That kind of was one of the more interesting. Um, uh, whatever satirical or social commentary aspects that that Osland is showing in the movie, because there's another scene like that where the the woman is telling the uh you know ship steward or whatever her role is, saying, "Here, come in the pool. Get in the pool with me." She's like, "I can't get in the pool. I'm, oh am yeah yeah, yeah, yeah." She's like, "Get in the pool," and she like demands she gets in the pool. And I that to me was that was something that felt a little bit more interesting than just look how stupid these people are. It's like, not only are they stupid, but it's like, she's like people, people who think they're doing something out of compassion. Their worldview is so warped that they're actually like further inconveniencing someone. And it's like the movie is exaggerating that to a silly degree, having everyone get in the water, or whatever, um, which, you know, that's what satire is. That's fine. But um, I don't know. That's, that's a kind of behavior and a kind of mentality I have definitely seen from rich people who are like, I'm one of you and you're one of us and you can just come join us or whatever. And, and the the person who is like working class or whatever is like, no, uh, no, I just, can you like not bother me? And they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, It just becomes kind of this, um, a lack of understanding that you're not really doing something compassionate when you think you are. And you know, mm-hmm. that was, that was sort of an interesting aspect.
0: Yeah. 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 No, no, I agree. I don't know how I'm going to feel about this movie in 6 months. Mm-hmm. Um I still think I'll see it as the vomiting poo poo movie. Um and it is memorable for this. Yes. Yes, yes. Um so we'll see. And if it wins best picture, I will be rolling my eyes because I'm just not I am just not smart enough to analyze this movie. Top I Gun Maverick that should be winning best picture <laughs> over this movie. I mean that 100%
1: unironically.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to watch it on the plane and then I was like Cameron would kill me. I'm, I got to watch it on something else than an airplane. Big, so. big TV if you have one. Yeah. Well, Juzo, I think that pretty much wraps up our conversation on Triangle of Sadness. If you hated our review, um, <laughs> give us five stars on a podcast service or something like That's that. That's right. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, whatever. Um, go, go read uh, Heart of Darkness or something. It's way less funny, and it's about people eating each other. So... Um, Nevertheless, this is uh Cinema spectator. Thank you for listening. Our production small, but we appreciate you guys. I want to tell you next week. It's, it's time to, uh, yeah, reunion Cameron and I, oh. we're going to be back together. Finally. It's been a month basically since we've done a show together. Um, but Cameron and I have actually been hanging out and talking behind the scenes, him and his v- ridiculously large cigar collection. I guess if you need a cigar or something, you know, uh, <laughs> Call hit him up for yeah. that you know um but we appreciate you guys listening all the way through the end of the show and all of the support thank you guys uh again shout out to darren our executive producer um you're awesome darren i just want to say that and uh darren um he he uh is always supported us and that is why the most or the the highest tier on patreon is now called uh, the Darren producer tier. So oh. I hope you saw that, Darren. That's why I was like, I, I named the, the producer tier after Darren because he's been supporting us for so long. So uh, we appreciate you, all of you. We we appreciate Darren maybe a little bit more than all of you, but oh. just, just a, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> thank, uh, thank you guys for that listening we and we'll catch you next week.